Well, today is the introduction of a new series uh, that we're going to be, uh, that we're starting right now called Build the Road. Build the Road. Now, I got the title from that series uh, from a quote from E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon said, um, confession builds the road over which Faith hauls its mighty cargo, but I like to say confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. Confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. In other words, if you want to experience the best that God has to offer, the way that you're going to actually experience it is by faith. The way that we connect with God is by faith. The way that we receive grace and salvation is by faith. And so um, we see so many things in the word of God that are realities to the believer. In other words, they exist in the life of the believer. Yet at the same time, you can know that there is a reality of healing or there is a reality of financial blessing or there is a reality of mental uh, freedom. And you can see it in the word, and then you can look at your own life and your own experiences and become disheartened or confused or try to figure out like, well, if it's this way, then why is it not this way in my life? Because I can see that it's this way in the word, but how is it in my life? Why is it not showing up in my life? And so um, I was actually... Uh, when I got the inspiration from this series, I was actually talking to uh, someone here in our church uh, about some of these things, and uh, it just came to me clearer than really I'd ever seen it before, and I thought, my goodness, that's, a, that's amazing. And so as I prayed about it, uh, I felt led to, to do this series on it. So we are beginning our series called Build the Road. And I want to begin with a couple scriptures in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21, the book of wisdom, says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now I'm reading most of today's uh, scriptures are gonna be in the uh, New King James. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, your tongue has the power to speak death or to speak life, to bring death or to bring life in your own life or in the life of others. There's another proverb that says, there is he that uh, speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise gives health. Do you know like the power of your tongue uh, is absolutely amazing? Let, let me just say, if you are... Um, someone's boss, there's two words you could say that really immediately change someone's life. You're fired. If you're the recipient of that, those two words, immediately, you're, okay, this was not in the plan unless you kind of knew it was coming. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And then Proverbs 6, 2, you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. And that I read from the NIV. You have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. 
Don't have to raise your hand, but I, I, that's happened to me <laughs> multiple times in my life. <laughs> I, I wish it never had happened. Uh, James talks about uh, the importance of our tongue and the fact that our tongue uh, to our life is like a rudder to a ship. And with our tongue, we can change the very course of our life. And what we experience, good or bad, we set the course with our tongue. He also compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth. Well, why do you put a bit in the horse's mouth? Well, that's how you steer the horse. That's how you drive the horse, with just this little bit. You know, this, uh, I don't know how much they weigh. I think maybe a couple thousand pounds, depending on the horse, 1,500, 2,000. But that big animal, you can drive because of the bit. I like the ship example the best because you see these massive, massive ships. And if you ever see them in dry dock where you can look at their rudder, it's amazing the size of the rudder compared to the size of the ship that that little rudder can steer that whole big ship. But that's exactly what James is saying, really the Holy Spirit is saying through James about the power of our tongue in our own life. And so life and death are in the power of tongue. You're trapped or ensnared by what you said, uh, by the words of your mouth. Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. And then Hebrews 4.14, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, or hold fast to our confession. Literally, it says hold fast confession. And then Mark 11, uh, 22 through 25, and Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, Whoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses." Of course, I, I really love this passage of Scripture. Uh, one of the big reasons is because so many things, uh, maybe you could say all things we receive from God come by faith. And this is Jesus speaking on the subject of faith. And so uh, I want to hear the master teacher and the master communicator tell me about faith. And he says, have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. Lay hold on what God is doing. And um, so how many of you have ever heard a sermon on um, confession or a message on confession before? Just raise your hand. Most people, uh, many people have. Uh, some people haven't. When we're talking about confession, uh, sometimes, depending on your background, you get the... Uh, if you say, we're going to hear a message on confession today, people get this uh, mental picture of we're all going to confess our sins together, and, um, you know, that's the extent of the confession, and so we're talking about, it's, it's, it's a sin message, right? It's a, you know, freedom from sin and freedom from uh, uh, your mistakes and failures and, and those type of things. Uh, 
that is an aspect of confession. However, in the, in the New Testament, that's about the smallest aspect of confession that you have. Um, if you think of confession, you think of, uh, you know, what I confess, I possess. In other words, I'm going to have whatever I confess. You shall have whatever you say, Jesus said. Um, but I want to look at a little different angle for this series. And the angle that I want to look at is I want to define the word confession, and I want to define the words uh, in Mark 11 here, uh, verse 23, for say. Because you can see in verse 23, Jesus said, um, believe one time in the King James, and he said say three times. Well, what does that mean? Well, um, there's a lot of things I could say. And let me just say um, this. When I went to Bible school, uh, there were uh, not a lot, but a, few, a decent amount of international students that came. And so it's always fun to hear someone from an, uh, another country that speaks another language as their primary language uh, speak in English um, or translate in English what they, you know, they read here and then they'll say, like, okay, well, this is how we say it, but they say it in English. And so it's just like a, a different direction in a different way. And so one of the words that I always uh, found comical when new students would come because we were at the ministry there for a few years is the word love. And uh, inevitably, depending on the personality of students, some students would say, like, uh, you Americans, like, you just use love for everything. Like, I love that food, you know. Oh, I love that outfit. Oh, I love my wife. Like, how can those all be in the same sentence? Because uh, we just have this one word for love, which in our society really uh, encompasses a lot of things, including like and, and including think it's cool and, and a lot of different things like that. Well, if we look at the word um, confession or the word say, uh, we'll get a lot more light because many times you could, you could um, even believe yourself. Well, yes, I've seen this, and so I, I speak healing to my body and I speak uh, finances to my bank account, but yet I don't see anything change. And in those circumstances, sometimes you're, you're um, doing what the Bible says, but you feel like you're pushing against like a really heavy wall and you're barely moving it a little bit each time. You're just... Just trying to push it along, push it along, push it along. Well, I'm going to give you um, a dictionary's definition of um, the word for confession. The Greek word for confession is uh, homologio, and it means to assure, to promise, to admit, to concede. A solemn confession of this kind binds the speaker to his word. In other words, have you ever heard, if you look in Vines, it actually says um, to agree to say the same thing to come in agreement with. And so what we're agreeing, what we're coming to an agreement with and what we're saying the same thing as is the word of God, the very word of God itself. And so um, the other dictionary that I'm looking up says it binds the speaker to his word. In other words, whatever I'm confessing or homologio, I am now bound to that. I'm bound to those words. So I, I really get the picture of if you have to, um, how convenient that we have this here. I get the picture. If the bailiff says, come up here, you're going to testify in court. See, I can use this. Now it's a set that's supposed to be there. And so raise your right hand. 
Say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Normally you do it with a Bible, hand, hand on your Bible. Um, so in other words, it's a serious statement. In other words, when someone does that, or they go like, you know, you always see uh, congressional hearings and all this stuff, and the big question with all these investigations is, did they say it under oath? What does that mean? Did they bind themselves to those words? Or, excuse me, bind those words to themselves? And so it's to assure, to promise, to admit, to concede. It binds the speaker to his words. It's an admission and a solid, or excuse me, solemn confirmation. Um, the most important sense in the New Testament that it's used is as an act of proclamation. In other words, I am proclaiming this or I am declaring this. I am homologing this or I am confessing this. So, um, and then let me just touch real quick on the three words say in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Mark eleven twenty three, three three words say. The first one is the Greek word epo. Last one is the Greek word epo. And the middle one is, is logos. Epo is also a command or a statement of command and telling something to do something. And then uh, lego is um, the word of God uh, spoken and then written down. And so, but you don't have to know epo and lego to understand Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, for verily, and Jesus said, I'm telling you it's this way and no other way. He's actually confessing and he's telling you that he's confessing. He's saying, I swear to tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. When you see verily, that's what he's doing. And so he is, he is saying, I am right now making a declaration. And he said, whosoever will say, in other words, command this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Well, you don't have to know any Greek if you could just read that in English. And you could say, if I said that this phone was a mountain and I said, be removed and be cast into the sea, what am I telling this thing to do if this is the sea? I'm giving it a command, an order. I'm commanding it to do something. Um, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he commands. Literally, that's what the Greek is saying if you translate it directly into English. So you know, without knowing any Greek, Jesus is talking about using our authority over this mountain. This mountain in your life or this thing that's coming against you or coming against me. We're actually using our authority. And so... The most important sense, it's an act of proclamation. So we were in um, uh, this little town in, in Tennessee, Ridgely, Tennessee, uh, in 2016, 2016, and um, Pastor Mark Hankins was ministering there, and the mayor of the town goes to that church. So um, they decided they really, the, he decided he wanted to honor um, Pastor Mark, and so he made a declaration for, it's actually, he's over the county, and I don't remember the, the name of the county, but the county that originally Tennessee is in. And the declaration was that it was Mark Hankins Day, that day in January of 2016. And so if you go look in the official books of whatever county originally Tennessee is in and look it up, you'd see it's Mark Hankins Day to honor Mark Hankins. And they gave him a plaque and all this type of stuff. And he has the power to declare that. And he declared it, and it's so, and it's done. And so in our own lives, life and death are in the power of our tongue. What does that mean? If, if, if I say something uh, that I'm just going to uh, fall dead today, 
uh, if I declare something, I'm just going to fall dead today? Well, probably not, but I, I, set, I set the wheels in motion. And so life and death are in the power of our tongue. And so it's not so much like, um, you know, you read about Elijah and uh, he was running from Jezebel after, you know, he spoke to the rain and outran the horses' chariots and then he's, you know, afraid of Jezebel, running from Jezebel. And then he said, oh, Lord, I wish I was dead. Well, he doesn't wish he was dead because if he did, why was he running from Jezebel? Because she was going to kill him. So he's just like talking out of what we would call the side of his mouth. He's not making a declaration. And um, this is where you get sometimes uh, what I call the word police. And so they're, they're saying like, well, well, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. The problem with saying things like that, if you're just saying them, not if you're declaring, right? Now I'm talking about just saying, right? So I'm having to um, explain because we say, uh, say what the word of God says. But that's, that's ambiguous. We don't, it's not clear. And so... The problem with saying things like that, oh, like, oh, I wish I was dead, or oh, this is the most horrible thing in the world, is if you say it enough, you'll begin to believe it. And when you believe it, you'll begin to declare it. And this is really, in this series, Where the Rubber Meets the Road, is that, um, like Jesus said, I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and shall not... Uh, be removed, be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things that he says comes to pass. He'll have whatever he says. In other words, he didn't say whoever believes in your head and says with your mouth, but it's whoever believes in your heart and says with your mouth. It's much like, let's look over at uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10 real quick. Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. But what says it, the word is near you, listen to this, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your, what, heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, for with the Heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That means you can believe in your head that Jesus died on the cross and rose again the third day and ascended up to heaven, just like you believe Abraham, excuse me, George Washington crossed the Potomac River and not go to heaven and not be born again. But if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth, that's the second that the power of God can manifest in your life. Now, confession is the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. So many times when we want to see something come to pass in our life, uh, we're waiting for the feeling. And then once we have the feeling, then we'll believe it's there. Well, that's not Bible faith. Bible sa- the Bible faith is you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Confession comes before possession. 
In other words, you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart of Jesus being Lord, and after you confess with your mouth, then you are recreated in Christ Jesus, not before. And so this, this um, they actually call this, they call Christianity itself, and that comes uh, not only from Romans 10, but also from Hebrews, the great confession. In other words, what we believe as believers, as Christians, is actually a great confession. It's the greatest confession, and it's confessing, confessing Jesus as Lord, uh, declaring Jesus as Lord. So throughout this series, I will endeavor to use the word declare instead of the word confess or say, because when I use the word confess or say, I feel like it kind of like it just you know, goes right over our head so many times because we're like, okay, well, I've been saying this. I've been saying this. Uh, I want to know, where have you been saying it from? I call it your voice of faith or your voice of authority. So are you speaking with your voice of faith, what you believe from the word, and your voice of authority, what you believe? Or are you just mouthing words? Or are you just saying words? Are you saying things that you have uh, reasoned out in your head? And um, many times, if you spend any amount of time in the word of God, the uh, things that you say or that you believe uh, in your head come first before they come in your heart. The only way they get in your heart is Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the rhema of God. In other words, faith comes by hearing God speak specifically to you in your situation from the word. You ever read the word of God and all of a sudden you see something you didn't see before and it's more alive and you're like, whoa. What is that? That's called a rhema from God, and immediately faith is present at that moment. Uh, you know, we were reading in Romans 10. Um, how can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone telling them? And how can someone tell them unless they're sent? And so this whole thing, like people, unless they hear the gospel message, even though, like we talked about last week, they've been made right with God, they've been reconciled to God, will go to hell outside of the will of God. He does not want one person to go to hell. He wants all humans to come and to live with him forever. Yet, if we don't hear the gospel, we cannot receive the gospel. And that's why the Holy Spirit, you know, of course, inspired Paul uh, to be so direct and adamant about it that you have to hear. But then you have to not only hear, you have to declare. I believe in my heart Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and I take him as my Lord. And the second that happens, there is a change on the inside. And most people that I have prayed with, um, they don't all show the change on the outside. Like some people might not smile right away, or they might be like, huh, okay. But then when you ask them, most people I've prayed with, they actually literally say, it feels like a big weight was just lifted off of my shoulders. But that's after they confess Jesus as Lord, not before. So like before, if you're trying to minister to somebody, uh, most people think like, well, I got to make myself clean and pure and right in order to come to God because God is a holy God and I have to, I have to, I have to do that. Well, the problem with that is that's not possible. The only way that that's possible or only place that that's possible is uh, through Jesus Christ. And so if you 
want to experience the things that the word of God promises you, you're gonna have to do it by faith. But in order for faith to have a connection to you or an avenue to get to you or a road, you have to declare a thing. So let's just use um, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And so uh, one of my favorite scriptures concerning being filled with the Spirit is over in Isaiah. It says, um, with men of other lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Uh, This is the rest, this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And the reason that's become one of my favorites is because of the last part of the verse that says, yet they would not hear. Uh, because I am filled with the Holy Spirit and, you know, pray in other tongues and speak in other tongues. And um, the times in my life when I haven't paid attention and thought, well, that's like a secondary thing. That's not quite so important. Um, you find, like, you don't really have as much rest or refreshing. And, you know, what happened to me after I was filled with the Spirit, the greatest thing uh, that I noticed was the word of God came so alive, I had so much light. In other words, I was getting uh, rhema after rhema after rhema. I was seeing things in the word that I had never seen before. And um, although I had some light before, so it's not like I didn't see anything, and I knew the Lord speaking to me. In fact, when I, w- I went to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't know what to do. Uh, so the person praying for me said, well, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, well, I said, um, I'm not sure. I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. As soon as I heard those words come out of my mouth, then I said, oh, okay, I will. And do you realize, I didn't even plan to mention this in the sermon, but do you realize the experience I just told you is exactly, illustrates exactly what I'm saying? Because they said to me, what do you want to do? Well, I didn't know because I had heard like, you know, it's of the devil or it's passed away or all these things that are not written in the Bible, but the theories that people come up with. Brother Hagin always told us, he said, his, I love his definition of a theory. He said, a theory is a supposition established upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. He said, a theory is a supposition established upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. In other words, People coming up with these theories don't really know what in the world they're talking about. And so people came up with these theories about being filled with the Spirit. The baptism. Now, when the, this uh, lady asked me if I would like to be prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, I was just very honest. I said, I don't know, but I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. Well, I was acquainted with the, the move of the Spirit or the, the, you know, the nudges of the Holy Spirit uh, to bring people to salvation. But this was a new experience for me. But as soon as I heard myself say those words, and those were based on what uh, the Lord said to me, so they're based on a belief, then I said, okay, I'll do it. Because then it was the easiest thing in the world because I had nothing holding me back because the same spirit that I received when I was born again was the same spirit that was urging me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, of course, if you know the word of God makes a lot of sense because there's only one Holy Spirit. Um, but when, you, when it comes to um, praying in other tongues, it seems like the devil really wants to uh, get you distracted and stop you from doing that because there's so much power there. Because you speak in a language that's unknown to you and um, you speak, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 14, 
divine utterances or divine mysteries, and you're speaking to God and not to men. And um, I loved that idea when, when, before I kind of knew what it was. I'm like, this is great. I don't have to worry about like you're not praying to be heard because Jesus was very clear about praying to be heard of other people. And I thought, I don't want any, any part of that. And um, when you pray in an unknown tongue, you pray to God and not to men. But what happens is we sometimes hear all that, but then we don't hear it. Like Isaiah said, yet they would not hear. In other words, they wouldn't let it penetrate them so much that it actually changed their life. Jesus said you got to be careful what you hear and you have to be careful how you hear. And um, so concerning even praying in other tongues, you have to put your face on it. It's an act of faith. In other words, what happens? Well, he gives the utterance, but you do the speaking. So when he gives the utterance and you do the speaking... um, it's an amazing experience. It's a supernatural experience. And you can say like, wow, this is amazing. This is not from me. And, uh, you know, most of you know I have a, a little bit of an analytical mind. And so when I first started praying in other tongues, I would like pray. And then I'd hear the words. And I'd be like, did I just think of that? And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I thought of that. And I was like, hmm. No, I didn't think of that. So then I have to pray in tongues a little, a little more. And so I, I actually went through this. Uh, pretty funny, until I realized, no, I'm not coming up with any of these words. Like, these are not coming from me. And so it's a, it's a pretty awesome uh, supernatural experience. Um, but knowing that you need to do it, that you, uh, probably the verse I stood on the most was, he that uh, speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, or literally it means charges his spirit like a spiritual battery, like you'd put a charge to a battery and you're charging this battery. And so I saw that and I thought, man, I really need that. And, um, but then I would go to pray and all thoughts would come like, uh, you're wasting your time. You need to do a bunch of other stuff. There's all these things that you need to do. And, um, all these thoughts come whenever you start to act on the word of God in any area, a lot of thoughts will come. Like talk about receiving healing. Well, you don't look any better. Uh, how do you feel? Um, you know, you're being foolish. What kind of thought is that? You know, something has to change in your body first. You can't say that you believe that you're healed before something changes in your body. Well, confession or declaration, see, there I go. Declaration is the road over which faith can deliver the things of God to you. In other words, um, faith follows in the footprints of our confession. Faith follows in the footprints of our confession. What does that mean? That means my confession is going to have to leave some footprints first before my faith can follow, or it means that I'm going to have to build a road before the things of faith can actually travel across that road. And uh, for whatever reason, I think of uh, my grandmother's pond when I was growing up, and my grandfather built a pond. They had a, a stream that went by, and he dug out a thing next to it and made a pond, and because of how the current would go there, it would always drop a, drop a bunch of leaves in one side of the pond. It was a pond that flowed in and flowed out. And um, so we had what's called what we call muck. And so it's like, I don't know, about three feet, maybe four. I don't know. But it seemed like four when I was a kid. But So maybe it's like this deep of just all these leaves over the years that pile up, pile up, pile up, pile up. In fact, sometimes when the water would go down, there'd be like a crusty layer of leaves like this thick. And you thought you could walk on them, but you couldn't. (laughs) Um, But when you'd walk through that muck, 
all of these like nasty smelling uh, gases would come up and like, and then you're in it. And of course, as kids, we're like four boys. And so we're like seeing who can do it. And you're like holding your nose and going through and it's horrible. And it's really hard to move and get through. So when I see that quote, I think of faith builds the road over which, uh, excuse me, confession builds the road over which faith can carry its mighty cargo. And I think of going right across that pond. Um, or if you know, we moved to a new house last year. And when we did, I got my four by four pickup truck like stuck in the backyard in the clay. It was raining like it was today or yesterday. And um, it got stuck. But you know, like if you have a solid road, you've got a solid surface to work with and you can do something. And so um, when it comes to prayer, whether it's praying in the spirit or just praying in English or your known language, you have to build a road if you're gonna access God. Well, how do you build a road? Well, uh, the word of God said, God said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't even know about. And then Jesus said, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus said, "Um, you know me. And so in order to actually connect with God in prayer, this is our our first Bible example uh, besides the the, uh, salvation, which is kind of our litmus test for everything. In order to access that, you actually have to confess it first. So I was in, um, they had a, a class, well, it wasn't really a class, I guess it was kind of a class. In um, Bible school, they had something called prayer school in the afternoons, and it's open to anybody. It's still open to anybody now. I was just there a couple weeks ago. And um, uh, this young lady wanted to, she was talking to me one time, and she said, um, when I pray, I just don't, I don't feel like I get in the presence of God. I don't, I don't know how to do that. How do you do that? And she had been in, in the school, but I guess didn't understand it. And um, so I said to her, I said, well, you just declare what the word of God says first in prayer. I said, so let's do it right now. And I said, I said okay, let's pray. And I, so we said, Father God, We come into your presence right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that when we call you, you answer us. That when we come in the name of Jesus, you always bring us right into your presence. And do you know what happened? Like that, she was in the presence of God. And so what happens is we try to say, okay, I'm going to get in the presence of God. Lord, you know, uh, I've got a job interview today, and I, I really need your help with it, and we're trying to, I don't know, work ourselves up or, or do something, but we haven't actually laid the road work for the things of faith to actually connect us. Like I did when I was being filled with the Holy Spirit. I feel like I need to go to the altar. Like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. That was me saying, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting me to go to the altar to receive something. And so then I did it. And so even in in praying in the spirit, when thoughts start to come and bombard your head, you don't just keep praying in the spirit, trying to overtake those thoughts, but you actually have to speak a word. And the word that can counter those thoughts is a word that came from God. And so the day... uh, No, it wasn't the day. It was maybe a couple weeks after I was filled with the spirit. I was in my apartment. I lived alone. 
And uh, thoughts came like, well, well, this is gibberish, or you're making this up, or this is kind of a waste. And nobody told me to do this. I just saw the scripture. I was so, it was such unfamiliar territory that I just saw the scripture that he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And so I just said out loud, I said, well, I don't know, Lord, but I know I need to be edified. I need to be built up. So I'm going to pray in other tongues. And since then, you know, of course, then I, I saw there's so many other things because you magnify God, you give thanks well, uh, you speak to God and not to men. But in other words, if you're going to be praying and these thoughts are coming, you have to say, oh, no. When I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays and I am built up on the inside. Now, you notice how I said that. I didn't just mouth words, but I declared that. So I could say, these thoughts are coming like, oh, you're just wasting time, wasting time. I could say, no, when I, when I pray in an unknown tongue, um, I'm built up, I'm edified. You know, I'm like trying to believe it, but it's really coming from my head. It's not coming from my heart. And so you have to understand, this is funny, scripture. You know the scripture, there's many voices in the world and none of them are without significance. So I, th- I apply that to myself sometimes. Like, I have many voices. Right? I'm not saying I'm possessed. Right? But my children, I can say, um, you know, Daniel, put that back. And depending on how I say it, or Danny, put that back. Especially if I'm focused on something else, I say, Danny, put that back. He might not respond to me at all. But if I stop and I laser focus and I say, Daniel, put that back. Okay, he's not perfect, and neither am I. But sometimes he'll put it right back. Most of the time he'll stop and he'll look and I see him making a decision. <laughs> because he knows I have just declared a thing. He knows I am just serious. Um, do you guys know the story from Smith Wigglesworth when he's uh, uh, watching this lady at a bus stop and this lady had this little, little I call it a yapper dog, you know, a nippy dog. And so like this little dog, and she's getting ready to get on the bus and her dog is there and um, she wasn't planning to take the dog on the bus with her. And so the bus shows up and she said, oh, let's call it the dog Sonny. Oh, Sonny, go home. And he's still following her. Oh, Sonny, go home. And so finally she has to get on the bus. She said, go home. And that little dog put his tail between his legs, like that. And Smith Wigglesworth said, that's exactly how you have to do the devil. In other words, you have to be serious. So this is not just mouthing words. This is not playing games. This is a solemn declaration. This is life and death are in the power of the tongue. This binds the speaker to his words. And how do you do that? Well, the only way you can do that is just like Jesus said, have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness. Where does that come from? It comes from God's words. It comes from God speaking to you through his word. And so as soon as you receive a word from God in your heart, now you can activate your voice of faith. And so I do this for finances. Because, you know, you, you pray about money and, um, you know, the Lord doesn't have money, uh, American dollars up in heaven. 
The money's down here. Satan's the god of this world. And so you actually have to take your authority over the world system, over the devil, claim what you need, and then you know, tell the minister and spirits, go cause the money to come. But then as soon as you've done that, you have to do what Hebrews 4.14 says, which is hold fast to your confession of what you believe or your confession of faith. In other words, hold fast, grab hold, hold on tight, don't let go of it. And so, um, you know, it's a new experience for me because uh, before pastoring this church, I was an associate pastor, and then I, I worked uh, in a ministry before that as well, uh, Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and um, uh, other people had like the bulk of the financial faith that they had to put there. You know, but when you're uh, leading a ministry under the Lord, then uh, you see all of uh, the bills and everything that, that comes in and that needs to be paid and the giving that you want to do and, and that you are doing. And um, so uh, I have my own personal finances that we believe God for, and then I also have the ministry finances. And so, excuse me, when I do that, I, was, I knew that, I, I've been taught that, and so I was saying, the money will come. And so I'll, you know, claim such and such, uh, so many dollars a week, you know. And so, but I would just be praying every day in my prayer time. I'd say, you know, oh, the, money, the money will come. The money will come. And um, I'm not trying to say the, mo the money will come. <laughs> it's going to come. Well, if I caught myself saying it, I would correct it. And I would say the money will come. And then when I saw this, I realized, oh, no. I have been saying the money will come. I have not been declaring the money will come. And so you know what I did? I immediately said, the money will come. And even when I say that, I assume you can perceive in your own spirit when I just said that, there's something tangible in the atmosphere. You know what just happened? I built a road. And you know what that road connects to? That road connects to the prosperity of God. In other words, the faith of prosperity can now carry its cargo down that road to our church and to my family. You know, because I have two different areas that I, that, I, that I believe for there. So the money will come. Well, it's the same thing. Like my, one of my, my current favorite healing testimony is A.B. Simpson's testimony. I said it a lot during the faith series. And he said, you know, he was a minister and he would be exhausted and... Um, Oh, boy, we got to go. Okay, he would be exhausted. Week in and week out, he read the word of God for two weeks, went off by himself, and finally settled in his heart. Healing is the will of God. And he wrote down this declaration. From this day forward, I take Jesus Christ as my healer. I see healing is as much a part of redemption as salvation is for the soul. Healing of the body is. And I take this. And my, this is why I love this quote. He said at that point, he said, I don't know whether I felt any better yet or not. I know I did not care because God had it in his hands. And then if you read his testimony, then you know like he went and taught at a conference and went up this mountain and he still had every symptom when he's going up there and thinking, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die because he had a pretty serious disease. And then by the time he got to the top of that mountain, because he just kept confessing and also exercising going up, he was completely healed and never came back. But that's what your confession does. 
So when you confess a thing, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. You just create the avenue for the healing power of God to come to you. Why? Two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. You have just come into agreement with the word of God. And when you come into agreement with the word of God, you can have and you do have what the word of God promises you. And so um, we hear it every week. And so I will pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing our soul and our spirit. We receive your word with gladness. We receive your word with meekness. We receive your word, which is engrafted into us, that changes our lives and changes us forever. We declare that we are what your word says we are, and that we have what your word says we have, and that we will not... Uh, walk around with our mouth shut, but we will declare what you say is ours is ours, and we will walk in the fruit of it. In Jesus' name, amen.